Warning. The podcast you are about to experience may contain content that isn't suitable for younger audiences. So, if any of you feel that you do not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now is your chance to... Well, we've warned you. Welcome to Villainology, a podcast revolving around our favorite personifications of humanity's darker side, and what truly makes them the scourge of their respective worlds. I am your host, Rob Mobley, and we hope you're ready to grab your friends, because we're off to very distant podcast lands with this episode. For those of you that are new here, the basic idea is that I present each guest an opportunity to discuss at length someone who is widely considered to be a villain, and to offer their own personal insight as to why they find them so intriguing. These opinions are totally subjective, and I find that hearing the thoughts of other people on someone you either love to hate or hate to love helps to better understand these characters as a whole. Our guest today is someone who I have had the pleasure of sharing the cabaret stage with on multiple occasions, ranging from projects like The Nightman Cometh to Over the Garden Wall. He's the co-host of the podcast Pitch This, and is a very dear friend of mine, Mr. Justin Chesney. Welcome to the show. Oh, that guy sounds cool. <laughs> I'm going to be that guy. Anyway, what's up? My name's Justin Chesney's Shadow. Took him over for today. I do all of his podcast work. It's kind of like, I, I do it for uh, college credit, mostly. He doesn't pay me. But yeah, I'm a two-dimensional, uh, kind of just on-the-ground guy. Pretty down-to-earth. Always um, following him around. I'm a follower. What can I say? Why are you the way that you are? <laughs> Doctors are still trying to figure it out, quite honestly. <laughs> I hope that, and I think it's going to fit into the theme of today's discussion, but I hope that like years and years and years in the future when, you know, everything is just a desolate earth and there's just like one future archaeologist trying to piece together our time that it's just like some random ass fucking podcast. I, 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 <laughs> you know, and like that's the only thing that they have about our time is just some random ass podcast about, I don't know, probably... <sighs> Just throwing it at the wall, it's probably going to be a crime podcast or Joe Rogan at this point. But what does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, no. I, King, King of Earth, uh, it, in the year, tw in the 2000s, everyone was just weirdly obsessed with murder. I don't know. It's, it's what up? That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> what do you look for in a good villain? I think the best villains have a point. The best villains are either extremely misunderstood in the way that you know history is told by the victors or they have a point i mean i know we're not talking about him today but one of my favorite villains of recent writing is you know thanos from the marvel cinematic sure. universe and i think it has nothing to do with his physical prowess or just like how powerful he is it's just the amount of times that we talk about you know with friends you know you sit down and you're like uh, he's not wrong you know he just has a really really terrible way of 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 carrying out what he thinks is right. And I think that makes a great villain. And and the and what we're talking about today, one of my personal favorite villains of all time, is also misunderstood and, and what he wants is not exactly what comes to front when the protagonists of the series come in contact with him at first, or at least at the beginning of the series. So with that being said, tell us, Justin Chesney, which villain have you chosen? One of my favorite villains of all time 
is Simon Petrikov, aka the Ice King from Adventure Time. I'm back home. Hello, ladies. Now, now, I brought you a baby and a puppy. Princess, hot dog princess, what? Uh, what's going on? We're all prisoners, Finn. Ice King. What? Why are you keeping these girls prisoners, jerk? You don't understand. I collect princesses because I want to marry one. Well, why'd you capture six of them if you just want to marry one? I'm collecting them all first to be sure I make the right choice. You're both too young to understand, but marriage is a serious thing and lasts forever. You can't just rush into it, you know? Ice King. Don't do this. Just let the girls go. They don't want to be here. Of course they do. I would have killed them already if they didn't want to be here. Right, ladies? He is, I mean, I grew up with Adventure Time. It, you know, it lives in my soul. And Ice King is just, it, it's, it's almost unexplainable. You, know, you start out with this two-dimensional character that is meant to be a silly foil for the protagonists Finn and Jake who you know the, the entire show is this you know is, is silly Pendleton Ward and Tom Kenny who voices the Ice King just the most silly people and just out of this world thoughts that come out of Pendleton Ward's head uh, whether or not he's constantly on drugs or not is 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 beyond question but I I don't know if I've seen a villain go from such a two-dimensional foil to just an incredible character that is filled with backstory and motivation for the things that he does and honestly redemption arc towards the end too for those in the audience that aren't as familiar with this character could you give us just a brief rundown of his story so the story of adventure time you know follows finn and jake who are the main protagonists of the series as they literally just go through these adventures in the land called ooh a very simplified version of it is that ooh is earth thousands of years after a war has happened called the Mushroom War. It's called the Mushroom War because the only thing that really is on record about it was a giant mushroom cloud that is thought to be, it's very widely regarded as a nuclear bomb that basically destroys Earth and makes it into a desolate Mad Max wasteland. Ice King starts out as a villain in the beginning of this series that just is this crazy old guy who can fly by flapping his beard and just wants to marry a princess, and particularly Princess Bubblegum, who is one of the other protagonists of the series and starts out as one of Finn's love interests. So he starts out as this guy who just, you know, is obsessed with marrying a princess, and throughout all 10 seasons of, of the show, you start to learn the backstory of not only him, but the, the world and how he came to be. So today we're going to talk about Simon Petrikov, who he was, and his encounter with the crown and the crown jewels that make him into the villain that we see at the beginning of the series. The crown that he wears clearly seems to have been inspired by many other seductive trinkets in literature and pop culture, such as the One Ring from Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. What is it about that kind of plot device that is so enticing? So I'm going to back up real fast and to explain this, like you said, like with the one ring, right? You know, it's it's one of those items that is historically imbued with power and speaks to, you know, the beholder and offers them safety and, you know, power beyond their wildest dreams. 
Simon Petrikov was a archaeologist. He basically was the cartoon version of Indiana Jones if Indiana Jones was monogamous and an actual nerd and not, you know, super sexy. You know, like... <laughs> I, I you know, you know how much I love Indiana Jones and I know how much you love Indiana Jones but one of oh, my yeah. one of my biggest pet peeves with Indiana Jones is how much of a fucking fox he is. Oh yeah. Cuz it's just like come on man, you can't put him in spectacles and he can't still be hot. Like that's not fucking fair. Like, the, the man is wearing like a wool or a tweed suit and you're like no one in their right mind could pull that suit off but he can and it's just it's infuriating. <laughs> so Simon Petrikov was a archaeologist basically and he was credited with finding a lot of artifacts a few of which that actually show up in the series including a book called the Enchiridion which is just like a book of heroes it's called which is just like a I don't know the bible for all things heroic he is engaged to a woman named Betty he finds this he actually buys the crown off of uh he says a, a fisherman in Scandinavia and he puts it on as a joke the first time and Right away, he basically blacks out, doesn't remember what happens when he's wearing the crown, except for a promise of power. And specifically with the crown, it promises protection through ice and snow, is what it tells him. The crazy thing about this, and you know, you mentioned, like, like I said, you mentioned the One Ring, is the crown itself has a story, which is crazy. Obviously, it's not like a character per se, you know, it's not like it, it doesn't will anything, but... Its drive puts a lot into motion for this entire series. And it goes back to the episode where it's called Evergreen, where they talk about the creation of the crown and what it originally was in its primal form was an object that could grant wishes. And it was created by an ice elemental thousands and thousands of years ago. I mean, the ice elemental has like a little butler dude called Gunter, which if you know the show is also the name of Ice King's little butler penguin. And the ice elemental creates this crown, takes the jewels, they're the eyes of like a lava dog, kills the lava dog, takes them, puts them in the crown. And basically through events, the little butler guy who like worships the ice elemental puts on the crown and makes a wish to be his master. And instead of becoming his master, he becomes the twisted version of his master that he sees through his eyes, which is just someone who fires ice-like bolts and orders people around. And when that happens, the gems itself basically, reset isn't the right word, but they become like a new entity in and of itself. Like this is now their default setting. It's no longer a, a wish item. It's an item of great ice magic and would grant it to whoever puts it on. So of course, Simon Petrikov finds it. He puts it on the first time as a joke and it literally scares his fiance Betty so badly that she leaves him and he doesn't see her again. And it's so seductive that he starts putting on like, I mean, literally like a drug to sum up what your question was. I mean, what is the pull of items like this? It's it's the parallel to drugs, right? And, and just how addictive some of them can be and the promise of feeling good while you're on them and not wanting to feel the extreme lows of when you're off of them. And what would happen was that Simon just would feel the extreme lows every single time he would take off the crown. And so he would keep putting on. And he started basically keeping a vlog, a video log, just to show his digression into the Ice King. Eventually, like in the middle of all this, he also finds Marceline, a baby Marceline, which is, if you don't know, the Marceline the Vampire Queen, one of my favorite characters from uh, the show. <laughs> 
God, I you know, and it's probably also why I might have a, a toxic taste in women nowadays. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> you know, right around right around that time that you know, uh, was it? Well, I don't know, like two thousand nine ish. You know, <laughs> when I was watching this show, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and just right around that time to be molding my taste in women <laughs> it was Marceline the Vampire Queen. But you know, so he takes her in, but even then. He's, he's slipping away, and, and eventually, once it kind of grabs his mind entirely, he does leave her, too. Uh, mostly to protect her, but, you know, it, he just doesn't feel that he should be around anyone else, and he leaves. He goes into <laughs> isolation, if you will. Um, God! God. <laughs> uh, is it right around now you're starting to uh, debate whether you should ask me on or not? I... Just continue. <laughs> <laughs> But he goes, he goes into isolation, and he goes full Elsa, right? I mean, he goes Elsa if Elsa started losing her memory and her past self. He, he goes into the mountains, creates an entire ice temple that he, you know, lives in by himself, and he scatters ice across an entire region, uh, ice and snow, that he can, I mean, he has such a connection to this snow that he can sense when people enter the ice kingdom, like even if it's at the far reaches of it. And he goes mad. He goes mad and he starts having this obsession with princesses. And it, all of it, you start realizing in the later parts of the series, are all fragments of his former self. He used to call his fiance Betty, his princess. And so there's these little fragments of, of what he used to be. And even to the point where, like, you know, if someone who knew him, his former self, like Marceline, will call him Simon, he really disregards the name. But when he's shown a video of himself as Simon, he knows it's him, but his only remark is like, man, I looked like a dork wearing glasses. It's kind of crazy, this dual personality disorder that he basically comes up with and just the disassociation that he has with his former self. It all starts coming to a head when Betty actually starts coming back into his life. And there's a lot of weird shit that happens. It's, it's an oversimplification of, of what happens in this series. But Betty basically comes back and her main drive is to bring Simon away from the power of the crown, which seems to be impossible at this point. The crown has not only warped his mind, but has literally warped him physically. As the show writers have said, he's not human anymore. According to them, he is literally a race called Wizard now, which is an actual race in the show. There, there, you know, there are actual wizards in the show that are, that are specifically magical beings you know, and, and have whatever powers they are specifically imbued upon them. But it is shown that his power comes directly from the crown still. And when he is removed from the crown, he does lose his powers. But he doesn't get his mind back. And he doesn't, the only thing that really reverts is that his nose gets a little bit shorter. It's like he's reverting, but there's only so much that he can revert because his past self is so gone that it's not even him anymore. It's like you're removing him from the power source, but it's not Simon anymore. There's nothing left of Simon. And if there is, it's just, it's, it's a warped version of that. It's not like he's buried in there to kind of return, if that makes sense. So even under the influence of the crown, is there anything redeemable about the Ice King? You know, the crazy thing is that he's shown remorse and he's shown regret. It's kind of crazy because at the beginning of the series, right, you know, it's, he's presented, like I said, as this guy who's literally just trying to kidnap princesses and marry them, right? Mm -hmm. Eventually you find out, of course, this is because he is extremely lonely 
and just wants someone to spend his life with. And the whole princess thing comes from the fact of the, just the fragmentations of what he was in the past and what he remembers his only love being. So you really start to figure out that what is villainized here is a social disorder. I don't think that he is trying to be malicious. It's not like he is personally trying to kill or, you know, or anything like that, but his actions, they're, they're taken in the wrong way, right? I mean, in the same way that anyone with a social disorder, I don't think that they mean ill, you know, in the way that they might offend someone by saying something that might not be socially acceptable. But it's not because they are trying to hurt that person. It's just how they know how to communicate. And it's crazy that through the eyes of Finn and Jake, he is a villain for the beginning part of this series. And then, you know, later it's not so much that he's like not a villain. He's just kind of an annoyance, right? Like he <laughs> is more just like his shenanigans. And it, it, it does come to a, a point where Finn realizes this. And Finn stops calling him Ice King after a while and just starts calling him Simon. And Ice King doesn't really understand this, but like he just calls him Simon and, and tries to correct the Ice King and is much more patient with him in the latter, you know, half of the series than he was in the past where it's just like, you know, he'd be up to his shenanigans and he'd just like, you know, punch him in the face. And it definitely changes with the more that we learn about the Ice King and we learn about it through Finn's eyes, right? Like Finn is our lens for the audience because obviously him and Jake don't know anything either. So he's he's 100% redeemable. And the crazy thing is, is that the end of the series, it, you know, it ends with a 45-minute episode, which doesn't include the new, the new series that's kind of coming out now, which is different. You know, there, it's called Distant Lands, and so it's, there's a, it's a few specials, basically, about certain characters. But the end of the series ends with an episode called Come Along With Me. And long story short, Betty summons the most powerful being in, like, the entire universe called Gulb, who is kind of, uh, like, it, a weird Satan mixed kind of demon thing it's it's you know it's it's hard to explain but it's just this being that is described as discord incarnate and she wants to basically use that power to cure simon once and for all because again all she wants is simon to be okay again what happens is they end up getting digested in gulb <laughs> they they get swallowed by him and gulb's digestion process it starts stripping them back piece by piece right and it's literally the only thing powerful enough to remove. It's not. It's not so much that they're removing Simon, like Simon and the Ice King from Simon. It's that it's literally just erasing the Ice King. Right. You know, it's like I don't know, like peeling a banana. You're getting rid of the peel altogether. The peel is no longer there. So it reverts. You know, Ice King to Simon. It reverts Betty to basically who she was thousands of years ago, just a regular human being. And it also reverts the crown back to its primal form, which was a wish stone. And Betty uses the Wish Stone to basically fuse with Gulb in an attempt. She, she starts out wishing basically to get rid of Gulb, right? To just like be like, I wish Gulb would fucking fuck that guy and get out of here, dude. But it, its power isn't enough to banish Gulb altogether. So instead, she makes the wish to protect Simon at all costs. And what that wish does is basically fuse her with Gulb so that they are now one entity and she can kind of control him and banishes herself. I think that that's really telling. I think that her relationship with Simon is 100% the reason why the Ice King is a redeemable villain. It's just tragic. You know, his whole story is tragic. You know, he basically loses everything. He survives the end of the world because of, you know, protection magic, basically, and roams the earth 
not remembering who he was, only fragments of it, and every day he's losing those fragments more and more. And just uh, is one of the only survivors of a previous world. And I, I can't even, I can't, like, I, I can't even put thoughts together right now because I'm geeking out about just like the the intensity of that backstory and and the the fullness of that character through the lens of a dumb, stupid cartoon. You know, <laughs> like it. It's just like I I almost want to hit Pendleton Ward. You know, like I just want to like shake him because I'm like how dare you you know like how dare you take a show that is just this silly thing that you know i got up on like saturdays to like watch and make it just so rounded out and deep and <sighs> i'm so mad pen on the ward if you listen to this dude i fucking love you but i also want to hit you a lot what would you <laughs> consider his finest moment that's tough it's it's tough to say what is Ice King's finest moment because he's he is still this you know like silly caricature of of his previous self. I will say there's there's an episode where basically it's it's really fucked up honestly. He steals parts of each of the princesses from the land and like creates a Frankenstein's monster version of like all of them sewn together, and creates this you know princess that is just brought into the world only to like love him and he slowly realizes that even though she does love him, like she's not his. She, she basically, you know, she ends up disassembling herself and returning to like each of the princesses. Right. But during this time, I mean, you, you see, you see an ice King that has succeeded in general. He has succeeded at what he wanted, which is finding someone to love and be with him, even in his own like fucked up way. Right. And you watch an entire episode of him being literally nothing but a good partner. (laughs) He walks around and goes through the kingdoms with his wife, who is this, you know, just ugly, you know, amalgamation of all these, you know, things. And she gets criticized by like, you know, random ass citizens about being this monster. And he protects her, you know, and is is just like takes her home and says, that doesn't matter. You're not a monster. You're beautiful. And I love you. And I will always be there for you. Because I think that's that's where we realize that like as fucked up as his methods are, he is just this caricature of what's left of a good guy that just wants to be loved and isn't, you know, and hasn't been for thousands of years. You sit alone in an ice cave, you know, with a fucking penguin for a best friend and tell me how you react to things. <laughs> Come back to the fucking final episode of this podcast. It'll be a thousand years from now and I'll ask you the same question. I'll look forward to that day. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can't, I don't feel like we can go any further without addressing just how wonderful Tom Kenny portrayed this character mm-hmm. throughout the series. What is it about his performance that elevated this character? I think that Tom Kenny is wonderfully silly, you know, and I, I think that we all grew up with him as SpongeBob, of course, and uh, that's obviously, I would say, his most iconic role. There's something about his voice that is just so utterly silly, but at the same time, like Mark Hamill menacing. Like he has this raspiness that he can go into where it's like, you know, he he could probably say the most fucked up shit and I'd still be laughing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's perfect for that role, right? Because he is fucked up and he is, you know, a menacing guy and he does do a lot of fucked up shit. But at the same time, it's, well, I mean, one, a kid show and two, supposed to be through this silly lens. Later in the series, we get what is one of the main antagonists of the series, which is the Lich King, who is just fucking terrifying. There's nothing about it, like the voice, the design, which is just this, like, if you've ever played D&D, you know what a lich is, right? It's just mm-hmm. this, like, 
kind of corpse weird spirit thing. It's it's terrifying. And that's in a kid's show. So it's like it's like Pendleton War but kind of just like tested the waters, you know, with just like a, a, a bit of fucked up in a silly character and then threw everyone the fuck in when before we knew how to swim with the Lich King. And I think I think that Tom Kenny is just the perfect choice for a a character like that, just the perfect balance of a menacing Joker voice like Mark Hamill, but then also, what if the Joker was SpongeBob? Well, speaking of Pendleton Ward, what do you think he was trying to say with this character? I think that the Ice King is the epitome of what it means to be misunderstood. He just is not what everyone thinks that he is, and honestly, what he thinks that he is. I think that, and I, I gotta be honest, I, I don't know if Pendleton Ward knew what the Ice King was at the beginning of, you know, like going into the series or if, you know, the backstory was created as the series became more popular. But I like to think that Pendleton Ward, you know, went went into it and was like, I'm going to give these people this, you know, silly antagonist, fully knowing exactly what he was this entire time and just fucking laughing as everyone's just like, you know, having a grand old time and has no idea like what's below the surface in his mind. I fully like the idea, the picture of him just like leaning back in his, you know, in his office chair with his like arms just crossed like, <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> you just wait, you fuckers. You just wait. I don't, can I, I, can I curse on this? I'm sorry. I, I don't, I don't know if. Uh... Why stop now? <laughs> yeah, my yes, bad. Yes, no, of course you can. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I definitely should have asked before we started recording, but here I am dropping like my 15th F-bomb of, of the recording session. In You're the, doing you know. great. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. For the episode about a kid's show. (laughs) Final thoughts. What does Simon and the Ice King mean to you personally? Simon cares so much. He himself is a, a, he's a good guy. He's passionate about his work. And he really, 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 he just wants the best for the people around him. And And like I said, he wants to be loved. And I think that he represents the, the epitome of that. And he represents tragedy incarnate. There's so many villains out there that are just the results of tragedy, right? You've covered plenty of them already on, on your podcast. You know, there's there's things like, you know, the Anakin Skywalker story, right? To, to a point, he is formed, Darth Vader is formed out of, you know, tragedy and manipulation. But the thing with Anakin Skywalker is that, like, there's still, he always kind of had that darkness there, right? Like, it, it was always, it was there, it was just, the events of, you know, Revenge of the Sith and stuff like that just kind of prompted it and pulled it out and made it worse. The thing with Simon is that I don't believe that it was there. You know, I, I think that he was truly a good guy and just went through some shit, you know, un- involuntarily, right? Like it, this was thrust upon him, not knowing what he was getting himself into, and he really did not have a way out of it. And I, to me, that's that's tragic, you know, like to like going back to Darth Vader, there's there's only so much you can stand up for the guy, right? Like it's like at the end of the day, he's still a fucking shitty person. And, and, oh, yeah. You know, he, he just needed an excuse, you know? Right. Exactly. Like it's he still had the darkness inside of him and, you know, creates uh, it does the murders of children and and, you know, not just the men, but the women and the children, too. And so, I, you know, I don't I don't always look at you know, a lot of people try to like redeem Darth Vader, but at the end of the day, like he from the beginning had the darkness inside of him. And I think that Simon didn't. And I think that that itself is true tragedy, right? It's not like he didn't ask for this and he was a good person and he had a good life and he succumbs to 
being seduced, you know, which is something that I think is probably the most human thing that that you can talk about, right, is, is, is seduction and how easy it is to succumb to something like that. The great thing is, is that, you know, he does get taken, like the Ice King does get taken out of him and, and he does revert back to Simon by the end of the series, but he still loses Betty. He has this line right before they're about to die when they're in Gulb's uh, intestines, basically. <laughs> it's just this cube and a void and it's closing in, digesting them. And it's Finn, him and Betty and... You know, Finn is just trying his hardest to get out of this thing and he's punching the cube and he's, you know, like he's just trying to get out. And all Simon's do is just sitting there with Betty, you know, and he's just sitting there and just hugging her. And, you know, Finn kind of gives up and he's like, you know, I always thought I'd go out saving someone. And Simon just, he kind of just sits there and says, we don't get to choose how we go out, but I'm happy that I'm here with you at the end. And I think that that itself just shows how genuine of a guy Simon Petrikov is and how good of a person he is, and how much of a tragedy that that was taken away from him. And even to get get his life back, it still cost him his fiance, who ends up sacrificing herself to get rid of Gold, to correct her mistake, to be fair. But also, if she had not done it, he would have never been cured of his uh, ice kinginess. So it's like, even at the end, even though he is himself again, he is still without his princess. And is in this world that is no longer, you know, like he, him and Finn are pretty much the only, well, there's other humans. Fuck, there's a whole other story. With that. I can't <laughs> even get into that, but it's just tragic. And I think that you can do nothing but look at Simon and pity him and hope that you never have to go through what he has had to shoulder in his lifetime. And that, to me, makes him my favorite villain. Justin, it was so great having you on the show. You know, thank you for giving me an excuse to talk for you know, like an hour. Um, <laughs> my roommates, my roommates are pretty just tired of that. So, uh, you know, this is great. This is I get it all out now, you know, so I can just be social uh, later without annoying the shit out of people. <laughs> my, well, my fucking if, rants about you know whatever I'm obsessed with that today. Hey, that's just you know the story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I said earlier at the beginning of the podcast that you have your own show called Pitch This. Can you uh, tell the audience a little bit about it? Yeah, so you, I mean, you yourself have come on this, uh, our show plenty of it's times. It's true. And we, we, love, <laughs> we love having you. We actually, we just did an episode recently with you on, which was about punked. Um, and it was so great. We, we had you on and our buddy, uh, Tony, who's really great as well. The show itself, basically, uh, my buddy Adam Stark and I, we, every other week, come up with a new pitch of an existing series, movie, video game, and add some sort of twist to it. Uh, we've done uh, Legally Blonde if she was a vampire hunter, uh, Finding Nemo if it was, you, you were part of this too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Finding Nemo if it was a film noir, you know, um, and it's, it is just a blast. And then, you know, we talk about it with our guests and then either Adam and I write a, an original script to basically pitch what that, you know, series or whatever would be with the new concept. And then we play a fun game at the end and have a blast. It really is just a joy to record. And if you have the time in your life, go check it out. Our TikTok, which is actually weirdly blowing up from like odd SpongeBob content that, <laughs> that Adam has created. So you can check us out there too for, you know, behind the scenes content and just random ass shit about the things that we've recorded as well. And uh, we're on Instagram at Pitch This Pod and Twitter at Pitch underscore this underscore pod. So go check that out. 
I'm going to leave a link to the Alzheimer's Association in the description. As most of you are aware, it's a common form of dementia that causes problems with memory, thinking, and behavior. And this organization has been leading the charge in terms of care, support, and research. If you'd like to donate and help further their cause, please go to ALZ.org. Thank you to Ross Lampert for composing the theme song to this podcast. He's a brilliant guy. And if any of you out there are in the market for any sort of music production needs, head on over to his website at daggerandink.com. And thank you, listener, for carving out a little bit of time for us today. We're taking a few weeks off after this episode, but never fear, there's so much more to come. If you like this show, please consider following us on Facebook and Instagram at Villainology Podcast, and on Twitter at Villainology Pod. I'm also on Twitch about three times a week playing all sorts of games, and I'd love to hang out with you all, so come follow me at twitch.tv backslash rob underscore mobbly. Feel free to give us a review if you like what we're doing, and drop us a comment on who you'd like to see discussed next, and hopefully we'll see you next time. Stay foolish, mortals. Ha, 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 ha.